Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life to our relationships to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well... So it's, geez, Louise. I mean, we all saw the news come across the wire on Friday evening that we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And man, what's the saying? May may her memory, may her be, memory a blessing. be a blessing. It's it's actually so. I came up from um, Rosh Hashanah dinner because um, I'm Jewish uh, and fun. What? Um, <laughs> 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 My name is a Hebrew mouthful. How are you? Um, so, so I came up and I like screamed at the top of my lungs. I was like, holy shit. And yeah. My family was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh my God, no. And I know that we're all feeling that way. And one of the things that I think is interesting from a Jewish perspective is that they say that the person who dies on the, or the people who die on the eve of the holiday, which is what the night before, which is what Friday night was essentially, yeah. Um, are the most righteous, right? So is that right? Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! Like, there's this whole there's this teachings about like that person is, you know, it's saved until that moment in the year because it's this person of such great um, valor and uh, accomplishment. And wow! It's, yeah, it's really it's actually like it's that part kind of gave me a little a little chill. yeah um, that because is. it was. And I mean, I think so. I so uh like we, we decided to, to record this. We had just done a conversation about, um, about choice, you know, what choice do we have as, as, you know, what does choice mean for women in the workplace in terms of childcare versus work versus out of home? How long you can stay in your career because of pressure about workplace gap. Like when these things, yes. um, So, and which we'll put up for next week. We will and and know that she was in our hearts when we were we were recording it in her own way. I mean, I think that I you know, I had heard her talk a few years ago, and I always kind of thought of her as this feminist icon, right? Or yep. I thought about it really along the same lines. I think there was kind of a time where she became like since two thousand ten, um, over the past decade, she's really become this this like this superwoman figure yeah. a lot of like us a character just, right oh, this yeah. tiny woman with her lace collars and her pulled back hair and and you know and the kate mckinnon on saturday yeah. night live with yeah. her you know like dancing at the ginsburns and so. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know it's she's become this and i i got to hear her speak a few years ago and just what was amazing was she is did you very, really oh yeah i didn't tell you that. yeah and what was interesting was and I, you know, we are not legal experts, as we said, like we, we're just coming at this from our own angle. But, you know, as somebody who's been focused on work life um, for so long, or as two people who have, just for me at that point to hear how she, you know, she's not a, a loud figure. She's like, she's an observer and she just cuts to it. 
And yeah. she like she mentioned these series of cases around uh, that she she argued in front of the Supreme Court and that she ruled on um, as a as a as a justice of the Supreme Court um, that truly impacted, you know, the future of of work life in this country, the future of gender equality in this country. And I think, you know, she certainly didn't give herself the credit for doing that. Um, I don't think she's very good at, I I saw a documentary where it said like, you know, she's not one to toot her own horn. So her, her late husband was, was the one to kind of come and bring the Philharmonic to like talk about how, what Mm. an amazing person she was and what a, what a thoughtful um, lawmaker she was. Um, judge she was, but I think, um, you know, she, she, so she wasn't giving herself that much credit, but to hear these cases that she picked out, um, to work on as, you know, to argue. It's amazing. It's amazing that of uh, how smart, how quick witted and how real, you know, cause she let's, let's us remember that she went to law school with a baby. You know, she she yeah. was a working mother from the get go with essentially starting her career, which started with the education she needed to get that career. And I don't think that ever left her. That That's my assumption. No, she, I think. It, yeah, she always knew. No, she always knew. I, I think, you know, I mean, there were a couple different things about about her pregnancies and how it impacted her career. But I think, you know, I think what was so interesting, I remember like early days as I was coaching, um, working moms and I was pulling out like, you know, quotes to post online. I remember her talking <laughs> about, <laughs> I pulled a quote from her, her talking about how, um, you know, how having a baby in law school helped her really figure out how to spend her time. Like she was mm-hmm. able to really focus time and not go crazy on the law school front and not go you know, not be overly, not, yep, uh, yes, overly, yep. not drink the Kool Aid on like you know, like oh my god, yeah, yeah. And I think she was able to really balance that. Although when you when you watch, I just watched the RGB, um, RBG, sorry, documentary, and she, um, you know, she definitely like didn't do a ton of sleeping. Like it wasn't like she was like, I got eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, I totally know what's important in every moment and it all goes right. <laughs> she, she, I think till the end of her life really um, just didn't sleep a lot, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think, but it was really amazing that, that she, she brought that insights, I think into her career going forward. What was also interesting was that she, before even going to law school, um, she was uh, she followed her husband, Marty, to a military base in Oklahoma, um, and she found a job there at the local Social Security office. And she told her employers that she was three months pregnant at the time. Obviously, this is before she argued against pregnancy yeah. discrimination. Right. And there were no protections at the time. And they demoted her and they said that she couldn't travel, <gasps> even though she was very early in her pregnancy. Um, and there was another woman in the office who didn't tell anybody about the pregnancy and all was cool for her. <laughs> like she, wow. Like nothing happened to her career. I don't yeah. know. You know, and I, I think, you know, and then she, you know, she had her daughter and then she was in law school and then she started to see, 
you know, so many different kind of slights in her path, like the way that she was treated while at Harvard Law, what happened to her when she hit the job market, which was, you know, not, she didn't, she didn't get a lot of bites. She ended up being like a non, like an associate professor at Rutgers. Yeah. Um, where she sort of explored, they, I think, persuaded her to do this gender, um, gender in the yeah. law, I guess, course. Yeah. Because it was it like some lesser course, you know, like you could take this on if you want, lady. I that, think it was like, it seems like from everything that I've read and seen, it seems like it was like, well, Gloria Steinem's out there and there are these protests out there. And then there were a group of go like, figure figure out what this means. Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah. You could do something like that. I think that's yeah. basically, basically what, what she ended up, why yeah. she ended up taking on that course. I don't think it was like her first. Well, and I think um, one of the interesting, you know, there's so many interesting things. And again, you know, there's some lawyer listening to this going, you're missing this. <laughs> but for, as a lay person, one of the things that I find most fascinating uh, about the way she looked at cases is that she completely saw, she fought for the men too, is, is where I'm going to mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. that. Because um, I have always felt this way too. That I've always said working mothers are the vanguard. Everyone's behind us. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people with chronic illness, people who have anything complex in their lives, people with elder care, like all the things that working mothers want. Um, everyone else wants too. It's just that we need it now. We have a small child. We have to go pick them up at daycare. And I, I, I have this. I, I don't know. I, I feel this kinship with her of of thinking of that she fought for there. I doesn't she fight for? She took on a case of a widower who didn't qualify for widow benefits from Florida, the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah. It because the, he was a guy, you know. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Weissenfeld versus Weinberger, and what was interesting was he. Like, I think that the dynamics of the case are really interesting. So his wife. Um, I mean, for so many reasons, but his wife was a teacher in a high school. So she was paying into social security benefits and he apparently went off on his own to hustle as a consultant. Um, and you know, he, he, he didn't have this, he hadn't been paying into the social security benefits. And so when his wife died during labor or essentially right after labor, he went to, you know, he was raising his son. He saw that as his first priority and um, and he went to the social security office and he said like, hi, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like the survivor benefits that, you know, that I'm assuming are entitled to all, uh, folks who have lost their spouse. And, yeah. uh, and they said no. So it was the secretary of health, education and welfare who was like, nope, nope. Only women, um, women are the mothers and women, um, women have childcare concerns and you're a breadwinner. So go out and win some bread. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think. You know, and what was really interesting um, was that she, you know, she was sort of looking, my understanding is that she was part of a center where she was sort of looking for what are the cases that are really going to, um, what are the cases Resident, that are really like drive, ripple out? Yeah. yeah. Drive gender equality forward. And I think she was very, very careful. And it was a very shrewd move to take this case. Um, and you know, one of the things she she says is women will only have true equality when men share with them the responsibility of bringing up the next generation. So she saw that from afar, right. literally, like across the country. And she was like, all right, let's take this, right? Um, yeah. And that if we don't value him as a father and the needs he's going to have, 
being a single father now, then then we don't truly value women. You know, right. it, it, it's it's like there are two parents in that house. Yeah. So let's uh, let's 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 deal with them equally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that was one key piece of it. And I, I think that she, you know, she that was sort of her her driving force. Right. But when yeah. she got to the court, I mean, we're talking about I don't know how how tall she was when she died. But she was not a tall woman. Oh, like, I don't she, think there was a picture of her with like Joe Biden and like when she was named to the court. Yeah. I, like barely comes up to it like his chest. I mean, no. my goodness, she was a small woman. <laughs> yeah. No, she was a tiny woman. So she's walking into the to the Supreme Court of the United States, standing in front of these dudes, um, who are literally looking down on her from from on high, right? Like, and yeah. she she need to present the case. This wasn't the first case she'd presented in front of the Supreme Court. There had been another one that was on behalf of a woman. In this case, she brought the guy into the court as like a visual prop. She's like, look, I have really? a guy just to let you know who this is impact. It's not you know, like, um, and for some reason, you know, she, she, um, in the interview that, that Stephen Weisenfeld did, he was like, yeah, she, she really wanted me there to like, sh- to sh- prove the point because I think for, because it was such an interesting kind of framing of that, that I think in, a, in the abstract was very hard for, yeah for judges to, for those justices to really get their head around, right? Like in the abstract, why, you know, how many dads were we really talking about? Why does this matter? Right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant move on her part. Well, she, um, uh, I liked her work around pregnancy discrimination, which still needs a lot of uh, work at the, the, the laws that are in place are, are m- much too weak right now. It puts a way too much onus on the women themselves. But uh, in reading one of the articles that we'll link to for this, it said, in 1974, the Supreme Court stated that discrimination against pregnant women was not a form of sex discrimination because women could choose whether to become pregnant. Yeah, I'll just leave that there. (laughs) Mike Trump, and there we go. Yeah, what? And and so she helped draft what is the Pregnancy Discrimination Act? The act itself is not wrong. It's that there is no uh, the penalties for it, you know. And also, we need to evolve all of our laws. So I, I, we needed it. We got what we needed. But then, as with everything, with every law that we have. If there is no real penalty for breaking it, then the law has no teeth. And that's right. that's where Congress has still needs to act. Well, and, I think, and, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I think oh. that's that's totally that's that's a huge piece of the challenge there, right? It's like yeah. how do you enforce these laws? But I also think, and something she said in the Lily Ledbetter dissent um, that she wrote, which actually re- resulted in in the Lily Ledbetter Equal Pay Act, right? Is Which because- was President Obama's first law that he signed. It was. So Lily Ledbetter, correct me if I'm wrong, essentially she finds out, Lily Ledbetter is a person, and she finds out <laughs> that she has been paid less, right, than her male, like someone doing the exact same job for like over a decade, right? Yeah, That's 19 years. Like- it, that she sees, isn't it like she sees something on like the copy machine or something like that? It's something really simple. Yeah, something like that. 
And then um, she says, hey, this is wrong. They say, we don't care. She goes to court and they say, oh, see, it's way past the statute of limitations because that started 19 years ago. You know, sucks for you. And, yeah. you know, so it the onus was on her to know she was not being paid. Right. Equally. And in, in um, Bader Ginsburg's dissent, she wrote, you know, it's, I mean, essentially, it's so much more insidious. Like, it, it's not like, you know, like things happen over time. It's very hard. She wasn't really talking about enforcing, but she was saying like, you know, this kind of discrimination happens in ways that are not, like, it's not like it was written on the board, like, this is how much Lily Ledbetter's making, and this is how much these guys are making. Like, it's hard to figure it out. It's hard yeah. to prove it. It's hard to, you know, unless you definitely know. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think it's uh, it's something that is true for all of the laws that exist around work and family, right? right. And around gender equality, like, particularly though in the workplaces, like if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to sue an employer, if you're trying to point out to an employer, um, first of all, you have to be ready to, to take that burden on. Right. Yeah. 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 And what that means, I mean, you know, uh, the gender equality law center, which is in Brooklyn, Allegra Fischel, I think is her last name. And she, um, she started, uh, she started that a few years ago and it's, it's, you know, it's taking on a lot of these cases that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was so, um, you know, that set the precedent for, or had kind of worked on things that led to the kind of work that, that the gender equality yeah. law center did. And, you know, one of the things I talked to her, we were working in the same co-working space at one point and I was talking to her about some of the cases that she was taking on. And it's just, you know, the challenge is like this, she knows very well, like the people who sh- who have chosen to actually come and talk to her, like they are, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, you know, there's so and 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 so she can make the case for in so many cases, but it's about people being willing to take a risk with their careers to step forward and do this, yeah. right? Like it's about people you know, who are, who can document on a regular basis, like what's been happening, can have some concrete evidence of how this discrimination is playing out when often it's comments or, you know, in, in terms of, you know, if it's not kind of direct pay, pay disparity or firing, like there's so, how do you, how do you kind of prove that it's a hostile work environment? Anyway, right. again, legal and, legal folks and, among us know better. <laughs> right. Mean. And Lily Ledbetter, I believe in, in essence, you know, give, gives more uh, protection. It starts the clock once the, once the problem is revealed to you, you know, and it requires the employers to keep, you know, the, the, you know, you can't be throwing away documentation about that stuff. But again, just like we're talking about with pregnancy discrimination, and this is what Ruth Bader Ginsburg always, it, it's always, of, it's always step by step and fight by fight mm-hmm, by fight. Mm-hmm. But that's there's the Paycheck Fairness Act, which mm-hmm. would add like the procedural stuff and the and the penalties, and that part hasn't been done yet. You know, like it's constantly right. you you set the law that says this has to happen. Then you have to have the court fights about the law, and then yeah. you have to have the the penalties and the court fights over them. And and so. And man, she was just uh, just willing to wade in there, roll up her sleeves, 
and uh, do her Ginsburns. <laughs> yeah, her Ginsburns. So true. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, it's, it's interesting. There was a quote that I found um, where she said, women of my generation's, my generation and my daughter's generation, so baby boomers, they were very active in moving along the social change that would result in equal citizenship stature for men and women. One thing that concerns me is that today's young women don't seem to care and have a fundamental instrument. Yeah. Not sure when she said this of government yeah. that makes no express statement about the equal citizenship stature of men and women. They know there are no closed doors anymore and they may take for granted the rights that they have. So I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I think we, I've thought a lot about, you know, how different generations uh, in the workforce see each other. And we, we talked about this, I think, in the episode that, that we'll be rolling out after this. You know, I think that there are you know, we have different experiences of what it's like to be a woman in the workplace um, and what it's like to balance caregiving responsibilities with with, with a man in certain cases or balancing it. Um, you know, we have we have these different experiences. So we we think from these different places um, of privilege. Right. And we yeah. expect different things of each other. But I think that, um, you know, I think there is this kind of or has been this this lack of kind of comprehensive understanding of of how we got to where we are. What is that? Yeah. What's incumbent on us as as female breadwinners? What's incumbent on men? You know, to make sure yeah. that you know in in male female relationships that there's you know where caregiving is coming into play. How you know how can they promote equality? It's not just by like doing the laundry and like changing the diapers, it's literally like you have to be willing to go into the workplace and say, <laughs> like, and, and, and expressly, you know, make this your and dissent. Focus. I and, mean, if there's, yeah. if there's anything that she teaches, you know, is to, is to be smart about it and to be willing to say, no, I don't agree. And this mm-hmm. is why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's, you know, I think it's really interesting. I think it's, I think it's something that we have to continue to think about. And one of the great lessons of the many in her life was to sort of think about as we, as these challenges come on. And and we've talked about how in this particular time of just total chaos and insanity from every angle, um, what, what are the incremental steps? Um, and, and because I don't think anyone, you know, when she, I don't think a lot of, the people who demanded her class at Rutgers, right? The people who were who were who were law students who were out there protesting and picketing, right? I don't think they ever thought like, hey, let's do this like in small steps. <laughs> like let's right. figure out, let's figure out how to slow this down, right? Yeah. And and I let's think do this through the courts. <laughs> how do we do it through the courts? You know? Yeah. And, and I think to be honest, like if you had to ask where I was on the spectrum of, you know, just like legal advocate versus, versus, you know, you know burning it all down. Burning it all down. And, and, you know, and I, and I think this is where we're talking about when we're, you know, when 
God knows what's going to happen politically and what's going to happen with Roe v. Wade. And it's not like we can be patient um, with many of the decisions that that need to be made right now. But I do wonder, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about what do we learn from her life? And, and there's so, so much. But, you know, she took on some pretty, pretty egregious issues, right? Yeah. And she... And she made these very pointed, um, you know, moves. She, yep. she, in her descent, she wrote these very pointed, like, directly hitting the, no, the nail on the head kind of comments that, that helped move these issues along. I feel like yeah. the whole, you remember the, the Voting Discrimination Act where she said um, her descent included, like, you know, basically there was an opinion among other justices so like, and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but uh, that like voting discrimination didn't really exist anymore. We were all good. We're and, all good. Yeah. And, she, and her line was something like, um, that's like getting, like throwing away your umbrella in the rain because you're not getting wet at the moment. <laughs> like, she just hits the nail on the head and I, and or she, she did and she's taught us so much and she's done so much. Um, for this country. And I hope that we can, as we think about the fights, the many, many fights that continue that are, have not just become, but that continue and are intensifying now, we can be inspired by, by the incrementalism and the power of incrementalism and the power of, I mean, you know, of picking our battles and, and really like trying to drive the point home. Cause I think in this time of like, just everybody yelling at each other, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just the two different sides of this country. Just And to know your history, because yeah. I, I totally recommend the book When Everything Changed by Gail Collins. It's an oral history of the women's movement, like just women's history. And it's, it's this moment where things like women can't get credit cards. And then within like two years, they can't, you know, women right. can have their own bank accounts. And, and a lot of this stuff are legal changes. There, there are there court cases that are looking at the language of laws and saying, no, you're not, you're not using it right. You're, you're using it to discriminate, you're discriminating through uh, existing law and that's not right. And um, I, I recommend that book. It's a, it's a really, it's a, it'll open your eyes. It'll remind you of how far we've come since really our parents mm-hmm, age. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that long ago, you no. know, yeah. that my mom took a, you know, walked around uh, a house with a guy. So it looked like, you know, she wasn't a single mom looking to buy a house, you know, like stuff like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. Or I brought yeah. my dad to buy a car because I figured they'd give out, you know, a, a new college graduate girl a hard time. So I brought my dad, though in the end I made it, I got a free radio because they had added all these, like <laughs> <laughs> they had added these, these numbers into the form that were just printed, like just fees. And I'm like, what is this? You know, it was my money. <laughs> But, you know, I also just felt like I don't think they'll take a woman seriously. So uh, I'm going to bring a man. I'll bring my dad. And uh, and he was very helpful. But, you know, why should that why should I feel that way? You know? Yeah. So I I think that book is really good. I think we should know our history. I think we should not allow Ruth Bader Ginsburg to be just notorious or BG. You know, I, I yeah. think it's it's worthwhile to to be educated on at least some of what she 
did like to really know there's there's a really funny snl sketch with pete davidson and chris red and they they profess their love for her and then at the very end there um chris red turns to pete davidson and says and what's your favorite uh case of hers and then it just kind of ends because they they can't name one so let's all get to know one that's Let's I, I, didn't, I don't remember that one, but that is. Like, I'll link I mean, to it. I, it. I think it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, link to that one, please. I mean, I think to the quote that we, you know, earlier where she she wondered whether women of of younger generations were taking it for granted. I think it's yeah. you know, I think it's just we don't know, right? Like, yeah, I mean, right. I think for some, in some ways, Notorious RBG was an effort on uh, on the part of two younger women to kind of recognize. Yeah, um, you know, took I think her her comment about the umbrella in the rain um, really struck a lot of people, um, you know, and and got her a lot of attention because because it was and just well so, deserved. Yeah, and it's super fun. It's just you know, like let's take it from there, you know. Right, and and because you know, and it, I think I think the the challenge is we just we don't really we like we have the socks. I literally am wearing the socks, by the way. I have some RBG. <laughs> <laughs> Sonia Sotomayor is also on there and Elena Kagan is on there. There's, oh, yeah. nice. Nice. Um, I love and it. And on the bottom of my feet, it says equal justice for all. So get the socks, learn your history. <laughs> and thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. You will find links to many of these things. I swear I'll find that SNL sketch. And uh, uh, everything will be in the episode descriptions. Maybe we'll find a good roundup of Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes just to keep you going in these tough days that we're in right now. Uh, find us anytime on thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Ask us a question, offer feedback, share your favorite quote. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.